Welcome to the Dive Table. I'm Jay Gardner, and with me as always is Mr. Nicholas Hogel. Nick, how are you doing this holiday day? I am doing wonderful. I am quite excited. Got a good group of people on here today that I am really looking forward to introducing. I've been really looking forward to this interview. I uh, met them at ADEX in Singapore. What was that? Like two months, two months ago. Um, and as soon as I started talking to them at their booth, I was like, man, I really want to get these these good folks on the podcast. So it's uh, it's going to be quite exciting. I'm very excited about this podcast today. So I'm doing good. And plus, I got a trip coming up. I am leaving bright and early tomorrow to head to the Philippines. So that's always a plus when I get to travel. <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. I'm, I'm waking up bright and early tomorrow to start cooking turkey for a bunch of gifts, guests. So. <laughs> I'd much rather be going to the Philippines. So <laughs> uh, I think I think uh, I think you got me beat there. Well, good. Well, uh, in case you you didn't catch it, we have some special guests with us today, and I don't want to ruin the surprise. So Nick, let's uh, let's jump right into this one. You ready? Yes, let's dive right in. A podcast for scuba divers everywhere. Take your seat at the dive table with your hosts, Nick Hogel and Jay Gardner. All right, Nick. So we have some pretty special guests on the line. Is that how you say it these days? On the line or on <laughs> on the interwebs, on the cameras? I don't know. Uh, we have friends with us that we want to get to introduce. So without further ado, I'll give you a little drum roll, and then you can introduce everybody. And, um, and let's get into this because this will be a super interesting episode so drum roll who's here (laughs) the special effects here are top notch um so i am (laughs) i am really excited to introduce uh members of the first underwater asian rugby team and you're gonna have to correct me if i said that wrong but uh on on the show today we have jen we have Key and we have Ming, so I will let you uh, do the introducing. You can tell us what your role is, and um, you know, and then we can kind of get into it and talk a little bit about the sport because uh, I'm everyone's dying to know. I see some finger pointing on going on over here. So. <laughs> everyone's like, "You talk, yeah, you so talk, not me." Uh, but yeah. yeah, go for it. Yes. Uh, so hi everyone. Uh, my name is uh, Genevieve. Uh, you can call me Jen. It's easier to remember. Uh, I am uh, the current president of first Asian team underwater rugby uh, in Singapore. Uh, and with me, we actually have uh, Key, uh, who he will introduce himself. Yep. Yeah. So hi, I, um, my name is Key. I uh, am also a member of uh, first Asian team underwater rugby Singapore. Uh, in short, it's FAT, underwater rugby, F-A-T-U-W-R. Um, I'm, uh, we started uh, with a uh, with few other members of ours, uh, we started a club about eight years back. So um, I'm one of the co-founders of the club. Yeah, And I've been playing the sport for about, what, 14 years, 13, 14 years now? Ming? Oh, yeah. Uh, hi, so I'm Ming. Uh, I'm not as illustrious as the other two. I was just, <laughs> I was vice president last year, uh, but I only started like two and a half years ago. So quite recently uh, in relative to the age of the club. Good. And that's fat. So f- I like that. Yeah. We could just refer to this from now on as fat. And then yes. we can say that's pretty fat as well. Like P-H-A-T. 
pretty hot and tempting fat. So we, we're going to have a lot of time here. This is going to be fun. Well, good. Well, okay. So we have to start with the basic questions here because um, you know, I, I happened to do a little bit of research before the episode and, and got lost down the rabbit trail. But for those of us that, that are not familiar with underwater rugby, um, those words don't, don't go together often, right? Explain to us kind of the sport. You know, what are, what are the rules? What are the objectives? How is it played? Um, what gear are you in? Uh, so on and so forth. Um, so that, that people can get a picture in their minds of, of what underwater rugby is, is really what it looks like and feels like to actually play the game. Okay, uh, in, in my, okay, at least uh, I hope I give a good explanation, but if I'm wrong, uh, Ming or Ki can correct me. Uh, but basically, uh, underwater rugby, it's a 3D sport. Uh, that's how we market it. Um, it's a 3D sport played at a depth of uh, 3.5 to 5 meters. Uh, the width and dimensions of the pool, it's, uh, I, I remember it by the three numbers, uh, 8, 12, and 22. So width, 8 to 12 meters, and length, 12 to 22. Uh, depending on the pools uh, that you go to, uh, you can play at 5 meters, you can play at uh, 3 meters. Um, so, yeah, the game, it's a 6v6, um, where you actually play a pass. The objective of the, the game is to have a negatively buoyant ball uh, put into the basket, which is placed at the end, at the bottom of the pool on both sides. Okay. Yeah. That's a pretty technical version of the sport. Um, a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of people has referred this sport as Quidditch. Imagine Quidditch all underwater. Uh, yeah, we have players uh, wearing the mask, knocker, and fins. Uh, everything is played underwater. The ball, even the ball, is also played uh, underwater. And objective is really to put the ball into the opponent's basket at the bottom of the pool. So as uh, as Jen has mentioned, the pool, uh, the, the pool we played in. Uh, that we play in is um is quite deep. It's between three point five to five meters deep. So uh, you can imagine um you can imagine the three dimensional aspect of the game. So in the game you can actually uh, unlike rugby you can pass the ball forward, backwards, up, down, left, right. So underwater rugby is quite special because it's actually uh I would say apart from drone flying, this is like the only true three D spot in the world. And I think it's really really special. Yeah. And apart from that, you know like uh. This is a very, very special spot that you cannot talk to uh, your teammates. You cannot talk to your teammates and it's, uh, it's, it's quite interesting. <laughs> you really need to learn, uh, you, need, you really need to know um, and com- like, you really need to know your teammates very well and how they swim, where they go and how they sh- support you and things like that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I let uh, Ming have his version of the sport. Awesome. So my, uh... oh, okay. I, uh, I don't think we need three versions, but since we're on radio, uh, I imagine that loads of people are going to have trouble imagining this uh, in three dimensions, let alone in two dimensions. Um, and I think the people who I introduce the sport to, they usually, because it's three dimensions, right? So when you think of a sport and you think of everyone rushing for the ball or how it looks, it's very easy to imagine. But in three dimensions, you can have so many more people rushing for a ball than you normally have. And so a lot of people, when they watch the sport uh, with me or I introduce them to the sport, the thing they say is that it looks a lot like when you try and feed fish and you see you throw the food in and all the fish rush to the food. <laughs> and that's like... I think the best analogy for what the sport looks like sometimes. The ball just gets thrown in 
And, you know, everyone's going, oh my god, it's the ball. And everyone starts crowding for it, and you see all these bodies. Uh, and it's three dimensions. So people on top, people at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that definitely adds a whole different aspect to it. Because, yeah, if you're playing sports on a flat field, you either have people come, you know, people coming from one side of you or the other, you know, but now people could be coming from above you, underneath you. That's got to be pretty wild. Uh, well, one of the questions I guess I wanted, the first question I, I wanted to ask is, so I'm assuming that definitely you have a set pool that you play in. When you're approaching a new pool, is it kind of like, what's the reaction? Like, hey, we're going to do underwater rugby here. Is it kind of a like, what is that? What's going on? Or is it pretty open to people you know, being like, Hey, yeah, this, this sounds awesome. Um, you know, cause I know I've like had some trouble in being like, Hey, I want to scuba dive in your pool. And they're like, no, the tanks might damage it or something. But, uh, so what, what's the reaction like when you, and, and, and maybe you have it all set up. Like I said, I'm sure you guys play at the same place, but what's the, what's that like just kind of going somewhere new and, and saying, Hey, we want to use this pool for underwater rugby. It's big, it's deep. Let's get to it. <laughs> Well, um, okay, maybe I can take this one. <laughs> I mean, uh, since, since we started the club in Singapore uh, eight years back, we've always got questions like what Nick has asked, you know, um, uh, when we first tell people that, hey, I'm going to use, can, I, can we use the pool to play underwater rugby, right? The first reaction is, what is that? So we start explaining, <laughs> we start showing videos, you know. Um, what's nice is that there are a lot of videos out there that you can just uh, search on YouTube and you see lots of uh, very cool videos of different clubs around the world. Yeah. And so that, then the next question is like, oh, so that's what you do. Um, so how do how do you get started? And then we, we tell them that what kind of what kind of equipment we'll bring to the pool. Uh, we, we share with them that it's actually a very safe sport. Uh, in since the inception of underwater rugby in since the nineteen seventies, uh, nobody has died from the sport. So that's a uh, good news. <laughs> um, I mean, as with all sports, you do get injuries. So we we share that with them. Um, and also some some form of risk assessment. Uh, how we manage certain injuries, or if if there was to there were to happen, and then um, yeah, we tell them how long is the training session, how many people will be there, and then we are able to get the pools. Um, so far, I think we have been doing quite well. Uh, we, I mean, we in Singapore we work with Active SG yep. or the Singapore which Sports our, Council, yeah, yeah. which is our local uh, sports body. Uh, that actually uh, gives us. Uh, we have a national sports association that helps us get the bookings of the pools. Uh, so we have regular trainings. Uh, we are training actually three times a week, uh, two hours each session with all our members. Uh, yeah. And each session we see about um, active, about 20 people per session. Uh, so that's a good number and we hope to increase that every year. Yeah. So I, I think in that sense, um, I think because we, we start off quite rational, we, we, we show people what is it all about, we explain to people. And of course, um, us being the first club in the first official club in Asia, uh, we had to be very careful with the marketing, the branding of the sport. Um, that's why the club is called Fat Underwater Rugby. It's meant to be approachable for everyone. Uh, it's not a difficult, extreme sport that is very difficult to get into. You know, there's, there's a purpose of everything here. So we, we, we needed a soft start and we hope that the, the sport lasts, lasts forever in this region and this in the, in the world. So I, I think we, we, we have a very important part to play from the beginning. And that's why we, we took it really, really carefully. And so what, what you asked about, uh, Nicholas, uh, Nick, uh, you asked us about uh, how do we get it started, right? This is a really, really valid question. And every time we are thinking about how do we expand, how do we grow the sport into certain sectors and uh, different groups of people and things like that. 
Yeah. So, so what types of people are being attracted? So just curious, you know, the, who, who's your typical, I'm showing up because I read about this on the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the people that are on the call, right? Um, but yeah, so I mean, is it the, the adventurer? Is it the, 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 the mom that wants to get some aggression out? Um, you know, is it the, is it the, you know, uh, you know, high school kid, um, who's trying to find a date? I mean, kind of who's the, who's the core, uh, kind of group and, and how is that? How have you seen that evolve over time? Uh, yeah. Okay. So I'll take this question. Um, Good, good question, and I have to think about it because uh, for us, at least uh, for Fat UWR, um, it's it's uh, I was taught or, or you know told it's very important to keep it diversified, so we do not exclude anyone, anybody, and everyone can try the sport. So we have uh, our current youngest members actually thirteen years old, and our oldest who also joined this year or uh, last year actually during COVID uh, was is actually sixty six this year. Um, and we have a good mix of uh, female and males. Um, and we in Singapore, we at least uh, we play the sport together. Uh, but of course, uh, on the videos that you see online, uh, you play in men's and women's team. Uh, but I think in all clubs over the world, uh, we are all about the inclusion. And I think uh, what's cool about underwater rugby, uh, it's the community. Uh, and yeah, we also actually attract very uh, top swimmers. Uh, one present in this talk uh, in this podcast, uh, Ming, who's actually. Uh, how, how, to, how to describe you? Uh, national swimmer uh, and has been to, I think, Commonwealth Games, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, Ming. No, okay, no. I'm wrong then. We think <laughs> yeah, very highly of yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but Ming, uh, Ming you, can, uh, yeah, you, can, you can elaborate on that. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, we have a few swimmers. Um, it's actually, sadly, rarer to get swimmers into underwater rugby than I'd hoped. Uh, partly because, you know, we train like 10 times a week after you're done swimming, after you finish your career, you're like, I don't want to. Um, so a lot of them, and also a lot of them uh, don't always like the contact. Um, yeah, but I swam, uh, I swam for about over 20 years. Uh, so I swam all through uh, my youth and then all the way into uh, college. So I was a varsity uh, level athlete. Um, and... Yeah, I, I represented the country at Sea Games and at uh, World Championships uh, many years ago before I finally retired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, there, there are a pool of uh, swimmers uh, actually in our community too. And I think uh, that's what's so unique about the sport because we actually mm-hmm. get people from everywhere and, and from all walks of life uh, trying the sport. Maybe I can add on this one. Um, I mean, Jen and Ming talk about swimmers. We do have players who who join the club, join the sport without even knowing how to swim. Oh, and that's a nice place because we actually taught them how to swim with oh. fins on. And then it, it's it's very interesting because you hear them saying that things like, "Oh, now without fins, I cannot swim." <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean the point is that we have different groups of people. Uh, doesn't matter if you can swim, cannot swim, you can sink, you cannot sink. You know, um, the sport is for everyone and anyone. Yeah, um, like what Jen say is all about inclusion. Uh, we 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 don't um, we don't have a specific group that we are targeting to join the club or join the sport. Uh, I think as long as you like the water, yes. this 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 sport belongs to and you. And we have a lot of uh, divers, scuba divers, free divers in our community too. Yeah. So really, everyone can play. So I'm I'm hoping uh, Nick and Jay, you'll try the sport uh, wherever you are. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm, 
I'm looking forward to it. I actually might have to uh, take a trip down to Singapore to join one of these sessions. I think it would be a lot of fun. Um, Nick, so- Nick never misses an opportunity to wear speedos, so he'll he'll be there. <laughs> I'm, I have a I have a great shape for it round, um, and I could really I could really uh, uh, sell the name the the fat underwater. <laughs> yeah, it's um, across but, the buns. P H A T. Well, I guess that will lead into my next question. So, um, Ming, since you're the the newest, um, it's going to be kind of a question for everybody. Um, but what what drew you to the sport? Like, what? How did you hear about it? What you know, what were you like? Oh, I want to try this sport out. And then key being, you said a co-founder, um, what wanted, mm-hmm. you know, like what prompted you to want to start this sport? How did you hear about it? How, how did that all come about? And then obviously yeah. Jen, uh, how, how did you get to where you are? The, the president. So I, I would kind of love to hear that backstory of what's happening. And, and, uh, but once again, like how did each of you, get into the sport was it just like a friend like hey let's go try this this weekend or you know did you open up a newspaper and it's like oh what's this i'm wanting to try something new so i'm I'm very curious to know yeah uh so i i had a friend who played the sport a little bit um and he used to swim with me a long long time ago um he's still a good friend but uh he introduced me and then his life got very busy and he left and i stayed on which uh ends up being a story pretty common in underwater rugby where someone adventures is like, hey, try try this with me so I have someone to go with. And then it ends up being that, you know, the first person's like, oh, you know what? It's not so much for me. But the second person's like, oh my God, this sport is great. And then you stay on, but your friend leaves. Um, yeah, but, you know, one of the things I really enjoyed about the sport is that, well, I mean, it's in the water, right? So, and I swam for so long, uh, it was really easy for me to kind of move around and understand um, the mechanics of uh, the game, uh, but it was very intriguing in that um, it was three-dimensional, and it also goes against a lot of what you normally think you should do, uh, because I think as a human, we're used to walking upright, you're used to looking downwards, because gravity goes downwards, um, or in the pool, I guess, you're used to looking upwards, because you're looking towards air, no one's going to look down and be like, oh, i got to go down. It's like, no, no, that's not where, where you survive. you got to go up to breathe. Um, so there's a lot of these things that you have to get used to. Um, and like, your eyes are in front, so you can only see in front. Uh, and that's a great way for everyone to attack you from the back if you're not paying attention. <laughs> so the whole three-dimensional thing, it really plays with your mind. And I think um, it's not only a very physical sport, it's also a pretty mentally challenging sport and a pretty interesting sport to play because if you... I I think one of the things I like about it is to challenge myself mentally when I play the sport to see if I can play it like upside down, to think about the pool upside down, you know, because... Uh, I don't know if you guys are huge nerds, but, you know, in Ender's game, when he floats in and he's like, oh, why are you all upside down? Uh, that always, like, stuck in my mind when I play when I play the game. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to think of the surface of the pool as the top of the pool. Uh, you can think of the basket as being the top of the pool, and then sometimes it makes it easier to attack the basket as well. Nice. <laughs> cool. I shall remember that. <laughs> <laughs> And then, but the only question then becomes, how do you get out? 
<laughs> which portal do you climb through? <laughs> is it on the top, the bottom, the side, or is it all in our heads, Ming? I don't know. Uh, no, that's really interesting. I mean, it's the uh, it's the idea that uh, of of the the land brain versus the water brain, right? Um, and that's a really hard transition for a lot of people, even in diving, right? When you talk about trim. And people want to stand straight up in diving because that's what our human, what we're used to doing. And of course, that's probably the worst position we can be in when we're diving, right? We're the biggest in the water column versus being in trim. So uh, that's a fascinating thing when it comes to manipulating the, those three dimensions in a sport rather than in, you know, just normal diving or, or normal swimming. So, uh, that's fascinating. And, and um, I guess the question for me on that is, you know, how, the, is it really – when I first watched the game, so I watched a, a couple matches. When I first watched the first five minutes of the match, it was like, this is chaos. Like, I don't know who's on which team. Like, there's – like, how do I mix – and then as, you know, five minutes in, I was like, okay, now I'm kind of seeing the players and I'm seeing the objective. Like, the first five minutes, like, why is that person laying on a basket? Like, it looks like they're just sitting there, like on the basket, you know? And then that person's pulling them off the basket. So with that same idea of, of getting used to the, the sport itself, uh, for, for all of you, you know, when you first saw it and you first played your, your first match or had your first practice, you know, has the chaos – was it chaos? And then it's subsided to like – a really understood communication, beautiful game, or is there still a bit of the the chaos involved, or or how does that transition go for, or how did that go for all of you? Yeah, I think when I first started, it was pure chaos. I mean, everyone's in there, everyone else knows what they're doing, but you're like, it's your first time in three dimensional game. You're like, should I be at the top of the water? Should I? Sh- Everyone says you should be at the bottom. Should I be at the bottom? Then what do I breathe? You know, mm. um, at what level should I be playing? Like how far to the left? How far to the right? So the game and there's no real um, spot that you can use to compare or use to watch and be like, oh yeah, yeah, I played something similar like this. I, I totally know what's going on. Um, it's definitely something where everyone who joins the first time is like, I, I don't know what to do. Um, and so we really go easy on them uh, and we try and ease them into the transition and into the sport. Um, I mean, even now I play two years later and it's like, it's not, it doesn't always go the way you think it would because uh, people, I mean, you're moving so differently in the water. People don't float the same way. Uh, people don't always think the same way. So what you think might be the best move someone else might be like, oh, they're probably going to make this other move and there's no way you're going to tell them. So you really have to watch each other and have an understanding of you know how everyone plays and then try and support them the best way you think you can. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I would say like it's a little bit like chess play, you know, but that it all happens at the same time. Um, I, I've been playing it for about 13, 14 years now. I Every time I jump into the pool with different groups of players, I still think it's like a, a beautiful organized mess, you know. Um, so much of a chaos, yes, but we appreciate chaos in its own way. You know, it's, it's, really, it's really fun when the magic happens. When three of your members are there to support you, you score a goal or the team scores a goal, 
it's it's very beautiful to watch. And then you think about it and you think like, oh, you know, I wish that happens again and again, you know. So in the mess, in chaos, there's always this one or two of these beautiful moments that happens, just like how you watch NBA or you watch other like a, f- a football match, you know. Um, I, I think there are mo- magical moments that happen in the games that, you know, that stays in your mind for a long, long time. I still remember the goal that uh, some of us scored uh, maybe in 2018 in that tournament or in 2014 in that one particular tournament we remember those moments very clearly yeah so yeah I mean yes there's mess there's chaos fine but we find the magic moments in it yeah and uh, for me personally uh, I have a phrase that I always use uh, for underwater rugby it's uh I'm always uh, uncomfortably comfortable underwater. So uh, what that means is actually when I first started, it was really very messy. Uh, but I think that's the um, why I keep going back. Uh, basically, at every session I go, I still have something to work on. Um, I, I need to get down to the basket faster. I need to go and score faster. And um, just to add on, I think uh, this sport is uh, ultimately a team sport. And what's unique is you can't communicate underwater and you just have to um, find that chemistry with your teammates uh, to make the goal happen. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so how how did it all start? Like the co like your co-founder, was it just something you were yep. in your, you know, room with your roommates and you're like, hey, let's start this thing. Yeah. I just saw this video. Like t- tell me about the the origins of getting the the uh, first Asian team underwater yeah. rugby. Yeah, so um, uh, let me let me just re- rewind that a little bit and s- tell you how I started playing the game. <laughs> yeah, so I, I started in uh, about 2000 and uh, I, I believe must be in 2006 around there or 2007 when we are in when I was uh, living in Australia. I was living in Sydney, so um, it was I re- I recall it was orientation week where you you walk around the uni and. You're looking for a new activity or hobby or sport to try. So I walked past the dive table. I thought, you know what? Let me just go try diving. I want to pick up um, diving. And at the table of the dive club, there was a, there's a small setup. And it was underwater rugby. And there were two members there at that time. And came up to me and said, hey, you want to try something different? You want to try something new? I was like, what's this? Underwater rugby. I've never heard of it. Okay, let's go. <laughs> then my life changed, you know. Um, so back then in Australia, there was only one club. Uh, shout out to the Sydney club, uh, UNSW, uh, University of New South Wales. Uh, they started the first club in Australia. Right now today, I believe they have about seven or eight clubs in around Australia. Wow. So I, I started playing with them. Uh, I was the second batch of players that joined the club. And then uh, shortly after three years living in, in Australia, um, I finished my, my degree. I left Australia, came back to Singapore, um, got an opportunity to, to move to Norway. So then I was in Oslo. And uh, just a fun fact, uh, at that, I mean, just a fun fact that um, the Norwegian team is actually one of the strongest team in, in the world. Um, and it was a dream for me to actually play with them. So I, I, there was a club called, uh, there is a club called Akaran. Um, that's based in Oslo. So I, I hit them up and then they say, you know what, uh, can I come and try and play underwater rugby with you? So then my real underwater rugby journey started because um, these guys were playing like serious underwater rugby uh, <laughs> in Scandinavia. Uh, I had a good opportunity to join Akaran uh, in one of the Norwegian league. And then I, I was really like, the sport was embedded in my head and my life forever. And then that was back in 2011. Uh, I came back to Singapore after doing, doing a few like um, you know tours uh, in my job 
then job uh then I came back to Singapore around 2013 um and then I f- I felt really bored in Singapore there was nothing much I can do or want to do so you know I I said you know what let's just start a club yeah and then uh at that time uh one of my my housemates back in Sydney, came back to Singapore as well. So so he was back in Singapore with me and he used to play underwater rugby in Sydney as well. So we say, hey, let's start a club together. Yeah, so that's that. In 2014, uh, that was how f- First Asian Team Underwater Rugby was born. And since then, it's been eight years. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't change anything about that. Uh, it's, it's been the best part of our lives. Yeah. So yeah, you've done, you've done quite a bit of traveling with some underwater rugby. Uh, that's that's pretty yeah. cool. That's awesome. Uh, so how, yeah. Jen? How did you end up president? Let's hear about that. <laughs> how did I end up president? Um, good question. Uh, but I would like to uh, remind <laughs> also. Uh, so I've been playing the sport uh, since I think end twenty seventeen. Um, so fun fact was uh, I was actually at the pool where they were training at. Uh, I was there for my refresher diving course. Uh, we, as usual, we share the pool, and then um, I saw I saw this bunch of people wearing uh, snorkel mask caps and fins. I'm like, what are they doing? And uh, I was so interested that I actually stopped the training. And then uh, a member came out, uh, Joel, his name, shout out to Joel. <laughs> uh, and I asked, uh, how do I join this sport? Uh, and the rest is history. Um, uh, and so <laughs> on to your question on uh, why uh, I became president. Um, so actually... Uh, when I first joined uh, the, the the sport, right, I also found out actually, um, how, how do I explain, sorry, uh, I was supposed to go for a diving course and then I had to do my medical checkup. Uh, and then unfortunately, I found out that I was diagnosed with uh, Gray's disease, the clinical diagnosis. Uh, and the doctor told me you cannot go diving uh, beyond five meters and all that is uh, for, for my own safety. Uh, so, Underwater rugby, uh, I didn't tell the doctor that I was going to try it out, but I gave it a go to distract <laughs> myself. And uh, yeah, so uh, amazingly, in that two years that I played, I recovered without... I mean, of course, I was on medication. And uh, yeah, so I always tell this story uh, to many members. Uh, I want to give back. Uh, I think this sport will change your life. Uh, like what he has mentioned, it is um, some of the best moments, uh, at least in my five years with the club. And, and why I choose to be president because I want to let people find out uh, why this sport is so amazing and uh, you should give it a go. Yeah, yeah that's my uh, condensed version. <laughs> but yeah, that's how I play. And uh, I, I, want to, I want to let everyone know how this sport can help you. Uh, and of course, you get to meet really amazing people uh, in the sport. Yeah, like, like, like me, like he. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. And one more, uh, you get to travel overseas uh, to play because we are the only <laughs> Yes. And if you join in Singapore, you get to say you're the best team in Asia. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, maybe I can just build on a little bit on that about traveling. Uh, so Fair Underwater Rugby, we have been to Australia. We have been to um, Berlin. Mm. We have been to Sweden. Oslo. Uh, Oslo uh, Madrid. Athens. Mm. Madrid. So we, we have uh we have our footprints around the world, uh and we are trying to go we are trying to expand the sport we are trying to do more we are trying to get more people on board you know and basically spread the sport around the world yeah um I think I think being in first Asian team being in Singapore is quite a special uh thing for us uh because we are geographically located in in a to to actually spread the sport from the north and to the south of hemisphere house south hemisphere of the world and vice versa so i think we, we are in a very good uh, advantageous spots for that 
yeah. What has been your favorite travel destination? Um, well, good yeah, question. Good, that's, that's uh, for me, I think uh, <laughs> for me, uh, so far, at least for rugby, wow. It's a it's a tie between Greece and uh, Berlin actually. Uh, Greece because it was my first time to Greece and it was an all ladies camp from all over the world, and we were taught by um, this really uh, marvelous player called Anne Sophie. Shout out to her. Uh, yeah, she, I get I got a really good sense of uh, international rugby uh, in 2018, and I came back um, wanting to play even more and actually. Um, pushing the, the the team, you know, to go for more overseas exposure. Thanks to Key also who encouraged me to go. Yeah, and then Berlin is because um, it was the first time, I think, uh, that Key, actually that year, Key was actually the president and uh, he had this vision to bring uh, one man and one women's team up uh, to Champions Cup, which is actually uh, happening this weekend. Uh, and it's actually a, a competition, a high-level uh, tournament uh, where the best clubs in the world compete. Yeah, so if you really want to find out more about the sport, you have to watch uh, the live streaming happening. I will share with you the link. <laughs> yeah, yeah I've, I've been to a couple of places for underwater rugby. Uh, I, cannot, I cannot say which country is the best or not, but I can say I, 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 I really, really like Europe. Um, there are so many underwater rugby clubs in Europe, uh, in, in UK, in, in, in Scandinavia, in Greece, in uh, Spain. So I, I, I generally, and of course Germany, Germany itself is, is where the birthplace of underwater rugby, I mean, it, it started from Germany. So uh, you can imagine there are easily like a hundred clubs in, in Europe. Um, and, and what I really, really like about this, the sport and the community is that we, I think generally everybody loves to, uh, basically and everybody promotes underwater rugby as a global community sport. Yes. You know, anywhere you go, every club you go to, they will just take you in like one of theirs. Mm. So this is what I love about the sport, that you can just go to any club. Once you know how to play underwater rugby, or even if you don't know, you can just hit them up and they'll just take you in and teach you whatever they know uh, and they're not selfish about it. Mm. This is what I really, really like about the sport. Yeah. It's very inclu- inclusive. Yeah, I don't really... I mean, it's easy for me. I've only been to one country to play underwater rugby because, you know, <laughs> last few years, travel has not been easy. So... I only ever went to the uh, tournament in Madrid. Not as exciting, but yeah, I really enjoyed traveling. I think what Key says is right. Um, it's such a small and niche sport that everyone's very friendly. It's not like you're joining this sport uh, just to see what it's like or because some cool person is playing it. Everyone's in the sport because they, they love how different it is and... Um, everyone has a lot of stories to talk about the sport. So everyone's been really friendly so far, not just in Singapore, but around the world as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think also another thing to point out is that, um, I, okay, maybe maybe I should say Singapore is my favorite country. <laughs> I, I mean, um, why, why is it so? Because we do get a lot of visitors from all around the world. From uh, we, we have visitors from Oslo, from Sweden, from Australia, uh, from China, you know, coming here to play underwater rugby with us. Uh, sometimes it could be because they are doing a holiday here. They are for work, for, for work reasons. Uh, they are doing a stopover. I, I can see that people do actually put in the effort to, to meet up and uh, join us in our training sessions. Yes. Yeah. So that's really nice as well. Well, that's good. Uh, it's it's uh, travel and doing what you love and doing it with cool people. Uh, that you enjoy. I mean, there's there's not much better, right? Uh, I mean, there's 
whether you're talking underwater rugby or you're talking, you know, at least in my world, diving or, you know, uh, knitting at clubs, who knows, you know, whatever it might be. But that's, it sounds great. And it's so cool to hear that it's a very welcoming sport in the sense that, you know, you, if you think about rugby, at least in the States, it's, it's an aggressive sport. You know, it's something that's a, a little, um, you know, more on that side of things. And so it's cool to hear with the underwater world, the, the, uh, the camaraderie that you guys have been experiencing and surprising to hear how I was literally just looking up, like there has to be underwater rugby in Texas. Like there has to be, I just haven't found it. So, um, if there's not, Hey, let's, uh, let's stage a thing with the university of Texas. See if we can't get you guys out here to, to do an exhibition. And, um, I, I understand that there are referees in scuba. Is that, is that true? Yes. Is that, that how is it true. works? Uh, okay. Yes. Correct. Yeah, the rules of the game. Yeah, there will be uh for safety reasons, there will be two scuba refs uh at each side of the pool, and also one deck ref uh you know who watches everything above the surface. Yeah, okay. so the the deck ref is actually the main referee. Uh, the scuba the scuba ref will watch and and you know uh look at all the fouls committed, <laughs> and also the goal scored. Yeah, so those yeah, are. So the I, I want to ask a couple questions about that. So um mm-hmm. so. Maybe maybe we're going into the not so uh, you know happy um, rainbowy world, but I, I'm curious uh, here. Uh, just two questions. One is, I definitely want someone to explain the sin bin because that sounds very interesting to me, uh, and I want to I want to know what exactly you have to do to get there. And then two <laughs> is, if if you weren't such nice people and there wasn't such a camaraderie around the world or around the sport. Um, and you were thinking, you know, let's just pretend that your name is something like Nick Hogel and you want to win at all costs. Uh, no, I'm just kidding, Nick. You want to win at all costs. Like, have people found ways to try and cheat in, in the sport? Like, I'm thinking, like, does someone tuck, like, a spare air into their swimsuit so that they can, you know, take a couple of breaths into the water? Or or have you seen people hang scuba hoses down, like, underneath the basket so that they – like, how would you uh, – I don't know, weight belts or, you know, uh, I, I don't know how you'd – you know, how you exactly you cheat. But um, just curious because, you know, let's, let's talk about the dark side of the game now that we've talked about the rainbow. So – Either one, you want to take the sin bin first, or the uh, or or how you might um, or what you've seen in cheating. But let, let's uh, let's talk about that portion of the underwater rugby game. Okay, cool. Uh, maybe maybe I can start off this part. Um, well, before we, we get to that part, I uh, just want to say that uh, for underwater rugby, it's a legitimate sport. We do have rules written by CMAS, so uh, it's it's actually a, a governance type of rules for the sport um, that that protects the sport itself. Uh, it, it is written basis sportsmanship and safety for the sport. So it ensures uh, players to follow to a set of rules that uh, basically promotes the, the, the fluid game uh, in, in a really, really safe way and uh, you know in, a, in the most sportsmanship way of playing the game. Now, that said, there are people who are really <laughs> competitive and really want to win the, at, at all costs. Uh, we, we have seen players uh, um, or actually felt players uh, doing funny things in the water. You know, uh, sometimes your snorkels get blocked, your mask get unbuckled for no reason. You grab in, you get grabbed in a place that uh, you, you never thought that you get grabbed in or you didn't know it <laughs> But yeah, you know, uh, and this is, as with all sports, it's part and parcel, right? And that's the reason why uh, referees are very important 
So you have two underwater referees that watches the entire sport, uh, and 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 fouls are called, uh, and then of course, um, in 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 all sports there are different levels of penalties. Uh, simbin is one of the penalties that actually you you talk about. Uh, it's it's not the worst thing to to get into a simbin. Uh, maybe it allows you to rest, <laughs> rest up, or you you think about the mistake that you made. You know, <laughs> yeah, so it's a so strategy I, if you're tired. Like you're tired, I need a break. You yeah. just do something and get thrown in the sim. <laughs> yeah, bin. of course, okay. of course, if you go in the sim bin, then your 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 team is a shot of one player. Mm. Uh, so it's not so ideal for the team. But uh, you know, sometimes when the aggression gets too built up in the sport, it's good to go in the sim bin because you do get to go in the sim bin for two minutes to cool down. To think about what you have done, then you jump jump back into the game with a correct mindset. You know, so uh, it's it's not necessarily the worst thing. I think for the for the benefit of the sport and the teams that are playing the sport, a sim bin is actually not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. I think so, I'm going to um, steal that for my kids. Like, all right, <laughs> this has been a little bit too. You're in the sim bin for two minutes. I love it. Uh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I I think I think for the matter of fact, sim bin. How do you get there, right? Like um. Maybe I'll, I'll let Ming and Jen tell you a little bit more about that. Yeah, I, I don't have so much experience in the sim bin. I'm, I'm quite, quite <laughs> yeah, I was, I was curious. I was curious if you're hanging over to the experts in this subject. Like uh, they both looked at you. Like what do you what do you mean? Like yeah. So okay. All right. Who Jen Ming? Who spent the most minutes in in the sim bin in the last year? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a very safe player. I don't think I found uh, it in the sim bin. Okay, so so I okay then it's me then. <laughs> All right, so um, like I said there are many many levels of uh, penalty. So if 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 your offense in the game, let's say if somebody doesn't have the ball and you pull the person or you grab the person by accident, then you can get caught foul, right? Or then the ball changes possession into their team. Now if you repeat this again, right? Uh, and then uh, if the if if the um, referee wants to send a really strong signal to the player saying that hey, this is the second time, don't do it again. He might award you a simpin, okay? So then you get sit, you sit outside, you think about it. So it's not necessarily like uh, an injury that leads to a simpin. It could be a repeated mistake that the referee has uh, a call to make. Yeah. Now uh, the other thing is uh, that there's another rule. Uh, I, I just give you an example. Uh, it's, it's quite technical. Um, like for example, goalies, goal, goalkeepers or defenders that are surrounding the basket, they are not supposed to grab the basket. To, to, to their advantage. Now, if they do, and this is basically, uh, it's considered cheating, right? You're using an external uh, equipment to help you to stay in your position. So that's not allowed. Now, the first time the ref sees it, he might say, you know what? Uh, stop the game. And the ball changes possession uh, to the other side. That is the first time. Now, the second time he sees it, then he'll say, you know what? You don't learn from your mistake. I'll put you in the same bin. Let you think about it. Yeah, so <laughs> that's that's actually how you, you can get into the same bin. But uh, so if if... if your if this is repeated again, then there might be simbin plus a one one uh, a one minute penalty. Uh, penalty involves uh, a situation whereby the the both teams have to stop the game, and then it's a one on one situation where the 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 team that has the advantage will really <laughs> be able to put the ball in uh, against against the the defender. So it's a one on one situation. It's kind of like a football penalty if you if you, if you like to say that. Yeah. So there are that many many levels of. Uh, penalties, if you like to say that, and uh, yeah, Simbin is just one of them. Yeah, yeah. I think 
uh, hockey has a similar concept, right? You guys play that in America, where they someone has to sit out for a couple of minutes uh, if they're too aggressive or something, and then uh, you know once uh, you score and you you the change the play changes, then they come out again. So it's kind of a very similar concept, yeah. Yeah, and then of I course, couldn't uh, tell you still what <laughs> icing is in hockey. I, I you know. Can you explain that one? That would be a that would be a revelation for me. No, yeah, it's the <laughs> penalty box or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Jen, sorry, I interrupted you. What were what were you saying? Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. Um, yeah, so I think a key uh, um a, a way to not a way to sin win, but uh, if any provo- provocative or really um dangerous behavior, uh, the referee makes the the call uh to do to stop unsafe play. And that's uh that's a two minute sin bin. Yeah. Uh, sin bin is two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So unsafe play, there's there's no way around it. And when yeah. it's, when you see an unsafe, uh, play, then it's an immediate call of sin bin. And uh, just to highlight, the sin bin is two minutes, which is actually substantial out of a ten minute uh gameplay. So the game is usually two halves of ten minutes. So two minutes is actually really long. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow, so man. it uh, better not sin bin to me lah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, actually, in 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 uh, official tournaments in uh, world class level tournaments, uh, sim bin like that can actually cost the play uh, the the team uh, a medal. You know, having a, a five on six situation is not uh, it's, oh, it's not, not fun. fun. It's not fun at all. The five people <laughs> were really. Uh, be really really upset yeah, <laughs> yeah I think uh, yeah. it's easy to think of 5 and 6 in a land sport where you're like oh it's 5 and 6 you're a man down but you have to remember in underwater rugby people have to breathe so like typically we play uh, with you You have your pair partner and someone's breathing while you're playing so if you're 5 and 6 it could mean that you know you're 2 and 3 and all of a sudden you're 50% of, of, of your team is out of the game at a certain point so it's a lot more impactful than you would think. Yeah, uh, I, I I also say sometimes um, sometimes in the game uh, where you have what what we just said about this five on six situation. Sometimes the team being so aggressive, trying to defend their their, their team, right? With just five players, they make another mistake, being too aggressive, and then they get another person in Simbin at the same time. So you have suddenly a situation of four on six. Yeah. And that's and not what you want. That, that, that kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to play this more anymore. <laughs> yeah. That that's when you bust out your spare air. That now I now I know where that where that fits in. Yeah. You'll steal the scuba yeah. hose from the from the referee. Hold on a second. <laughs> and then go uh go play some more. I got it. Okay, so 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 to answer all your questions about how to simbin, right? I think that there are lots of ways to to do a lot of funny things in the in the game, but um, really the sport is very uh, transparent um, because because of the referees that are deployed in the game. So you know, I I've I've never really like come across too much of this type of dirty dark side of the game. You know, is usually simbins are done or penalties are done because of um, repeated offenses. Yeah. Or people getting a little bit more aggressive in the game, especially in very high level championship tournaments and things. Sorry, Nick, I cut you off there. <laughs> oh no, 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 you're totally I'm I'm super interested in in hearing. Um well I get that was I because I had a quite that was gonna be one of my questions. Obviously, people are going up for air. Um, is there a set amount of time that a person will go up? Because are they just going up, gasping for air, and then rushing back down? Or is it like, okay, go up, 
take your 30 seconds, take your 45 or like, how, how does that work out? And then, you know, I'm sure there's some sort of hand signals, like tell, tell me about that or, or is there not it's just kind of, you know, like, <laughs> for me, I need to go up, you know, like how does, how does that all work out? Ning, you want to answer this question or I, I can answer? Yeah, sure. I guess. Um, I think so. Let me, let me think about how to answer this question. So usually we say, um, you know, you, you want to go up and take three breaths and then come down because um, as long as you're up breathing, your partner's down. Um, and especially for defensive positions when you're being attacked, uh, if you are both out of air and you both leave, then that's a very high chance that the opposing team is going to rush in and try and score. Uh Obviously, three breath is quite hard. So um, there are always times where your partner is on the surface breathing because they just haven't garnered the courage to risk their mortality and come down to save you. Uh, and so you stare at them slowly with feeling your soul leaving your body. Uh, and yeah, so it really depends on how long you can hold your breath and how nice your partner is. Um, there is a lot of like yeah. hand gestures at your po- at, at your partner to like be like you know come down now. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's like just a wave <laughs> to be like yeah, come down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if you're looking at each other, you get that eye contact. Then you can you can kind of see how they feel about you in the eyes. It's very obvious. <laughs> Um, Yeah, but I think one thing we also haven't quite discussed. um, So a full team in underwater rugby is actually uh, 12 people. So you have six in the water, but you actually also have six on land. Um, And it's kind of like water polo where it's instantaneous subbing. So whenever uh, you are tired, you can actually uh, roll out of the pool or boost yourself out of the pool. And the minute all, all of you, like you, your equipment, all of it leaves the surface of the water, your friend can jump in. So it's not like you're playing two halves of 10 minutes with no respite. Um, The changeover and the substitution with your partner on land is actually pretty fast as well. Because you you definitely, it's not the case where you want to play until you're absolutely knackered and then you get out and then you need that long time to recover. You want to play um, until, you know, you're like, not at 100%, but you are uh, t- not tight enough that you have to spend such a long time out to recover. So you just play, you get out, and then you recover real quick, and you jump back in um, as soon as your sub is, you know, okay as well. Or as soon as your sub has played pretty hard as well. Yeah. Well, good. So maybe we can shift gears here a little bit. This has been a lot of fun. But I'm curious, you know, where... Where do you see this going? So uh, I know that you've been at it for for quite a while, um, or, or have been building up. And and by the way, kudos because building anything from scratch in a new location is hard. And and there are people that come and go. And uh, you know, I, I I know that world well from a business perspective, not necessarily from a sporting perspective. So kudos on building that out. Kudos on um, you know the resilience that that takes. But I'm curious, kind of, where do you see, you know, the the first Asian, you know, team underwater rugby, Singapore, or where do you see 
underwater rugby, you know, going in Asia. I know that you've seeded, I think, a couple of teams in, in China, um, from what I remember reading. Uh, so yeah, what, what's the end state? Is it, is it a hope for, you know, an Olympic birth that it becomes an Olympic sport? I don't remember when a couple of years ago some new sports got into the Olympics and, uh, and, or something or, you know, do you, are you after a sponsorship from Nike? So with matching, you know, you know, your own line of shoes and fins, uh, you know, what's, what's the, what's the end state or what does success really look like in your minds? Um, and what are you pushing towards? And obviously I know a lot of that has to do with in, enjoyment in the moment and the community that you've built and all those things. But, but getting to know the three of you, I, I can see there's some ambition to spread the sport. So what does that look like for you guys? Yep. Uh, so I think I'll answer the question. Um, so yeah, in, in, uh, since the founding, I think it has always been our goal. Uh, the reason for the name First Asian Team, uh, we want to be first, like I said earlier on. Uh, yeah, and we are first, <laughs> right? Uh, so there's no to that. Yeah, but uh, for the sport uh, to grow, at least in our region, uh, we definitely have our eyes on uh, spreading it to our neighbouring country in, in Malaysia and also uh, in Philippines, Indonesia, uh, the Sea Games, at least, uh, is what we call Southeast Asian Games. So that's one, the short-term goal, right? Uh, Long-term goal, of course, we are looking at higher-level performance uh, or or competitions. Uh, We have the World Championships, just like the World Cup. Uh, In rugby, we have it every four years. Uh, So the next edition is actually 2023, and the the following one will be 2027. Um, So that's the longer-term goal. Um, to, to answer honestly whether we, we can go to Olympics, I think that takes a lot more work, uh, not just from us, but you know, with CMAS, with national bodies and governments around the world. So I don't want to aim so far. Uh, I would say the, the end goal is actually a world championship. Um, but of course, if my body can still take it uh, and it gets uh, yeah. onto the Olympic map, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I think um, that's, that's on the competitive front mm. of the sport. Uh, what I think it's it's also healthy is for the sport to continue to grow sustainably uh, so that, you know, one day we feel like playing underwater rugby, we know that there'll be clubs around Southeast Asia to play or around the neighbouring countries to play. I think that will be really, really healthy uh, from the angle of a sport. Um, we, we should continue to grow it uh, in a very inclusive way as well so that um, everybody can try the sport. I mean, even if they don't like it, uh, I think it's a, it's a good opportunity to try it. Um, and I think that, that'd be really nice. You know, we're building a, a really nice, strong community, uh, a community uh, in this uh, sporting arena as well as the underwater arena. You know, I think this is also another um, a space for divers to come and uh, get their to wash their fins and mask in the swimming pool water. Right? <laughs> no wonder the, the sea water is getting the, the pool water is getting a bit salty nowadays. But uh, yeah, I think it's actually a quite a nice. Um, a nice uh, thing to do uh, and to continue to do uh, takes like as you mentioned it takes a lot of effort it takes a lot of resilience uh, we started from little um, and we are growing every day as we speak um, I mean it's, it's not easy right uh, it's it's not a paid position <laughs> to run a club yeah. you know, it's, it's we're doing it out of really altruistic hearts and uh, we, we, are, we, we have our mind and heart in it uh, we, we honestly and sincerely hope to see the, the sport uh, last forever, mm-hmm. you know, to to my very last breath. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully that doesn't happen in the sin bin, right? <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> that's yeah. interesting. Uh, Ming, Ming, any any thoughts there? Oh, um, 
I I mean I think I've uh kind of had my time in the sun with uh swimming. So I think in terms of how competitive I am with this sport, uh I don't know how far I go. I'm not sure my body could take another run at like a world championship. That is just gonna be tough. But I do really, really enjoy the community in the sport. I think it's one of the best communities that I've uh, I've ever been a part of. I think everyone's really friendly, um, and everyone comes from a really diverse background. Um, and I do, I do, I really think like as uh, Singapore, as as the team in Singapore uh, is the only one in this region. Um, I think I would really like to see us grow the sport within the region because it's. I think it's a lot easier for the European teams to be like, oh yeah, you know, we'll play with each other, we'll grow the sport, and we'll be competitive. But for us, it's uh, it can be sometimes really lonely in this region, and we have to travel pretty far to to compete. So I think immediately, like for me personally, immediately I would really love to see uh, more clubs in the region and kind of uh, more more participation from the other regions. Yeah, maybe maybe we can take this opportunity to give a shout out to the 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 underwater community in in the Southeast Asia region, uh, Indonesians, <laughs> the Philippines, uh, even Malaysia. Yes. Uh, if you guys are, are interested to try the sport or interested to start a club. Do hit us up. We are happy to help you out. Uh, we'll come over. You know, you can come over, or we can go over. You know, there's there's <laughs> this huge opportunity to do all these fun things together. So uh, do let us know. You know, like we'll be really really keen to to help each other out and uh, you know um, grow the spot. Like like what uh, the rest said. Yeah. Yeah, and if it if it comes to Sea Games or Asian Games, you know, first place is taken, but second and third are open right now. <laughs> oh yeah, look at that! Wait, weren't you just saying your body can't take another challenge like that, uh, Ming? I don't know. So, just just some housekeeping there for for that shout out. It, it is www.fatuwr or f-a-t-u-w-r dot com. Correct. Yes. Um, right. So if you're you're taking on the challenge to to unseat Ming as the uh, the the champion here. Um, that that's www.fatuwr.com. Go there now. Send a message. Um, you know, I think that that certainly there's a passion here, but also there's an expertise in how to grow it in your region and and the support mm-hmm. there, which is great. I, I have to say there. So if I'm understanding correctly too, there is a tie into diving beyond. The, the referees, I, I don't know if this is more myth or uh, fact, but I heard that, that underwater rugby was started by a couple of German divers who were looking to stay fit during the winter. So they had something to do during the winter um, when they couldn't, you know, go diving, obviously, because it's too cold, uh, you know, before really they're using um, cold weather gear. Is that more myth or is that fact or what, what's been your experience of that it's real it's, it's true it's real uh the underwater rugby has been started in germany um as you mentioned i think you can see that in wikipedia as well <laughs> um but yeah the, every every two years there is a champions cup um that's happening in berlin and that's actually the birthplace uh one of the birthplace for underwater rugby until today the founders of underwater rugby still rock up to that competition uh, to, to to see the competition, um, it's it's not a myth. These people are real. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, I think it's also very beautiful for them to actually watch how the sport had grown, uh, how the community had grown so wide and so far. 
yeah. So it's so yeah. Mm. It's as great. Uh, the community is as great as the dive community. Um. So yeah, like like I said, like just like diving, anyone can dive, right? Uh. Same with underwater rugby. And uh, I think the unique part is uh, getting to know people and, you know, just hang out and chill after a game, have some beers, have some food. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's what's nice, I feel. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So this will be my, my final question, I guess. Um, so I reached out and I have a little bit of time to spend in Singapore. Uh, what do I need and what should I expect to come and try this sport? Like what gear do I need to bring? Um, do I need to bring my A game? Like what do I need to do? Because I'm actually really looking forward to this and I and actually really hope because I'll be, I'll be there tomorrow, but only for a few hours. Um, but I'll be down there for, oh. yeah, I'm flying to Singapore and then to, uh, and then to the Philippines. Um, but I, I will, I am planning to make it down there in March, April, and, um, I would love to try, you know, just, just get involved. Um, okay. is there, is there a time frame around that time? Will there any, be anything going on? Um, what do I need to bring? What can one expect? Um, am, am I going to get there and be scared and run away? Or am I going to be like, this is amazing. You know, like what's, what's going to happen? Tell me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, to try out, uh, basically, uh, just just hit us up on our Instagram. There is actually a Google form you have to fill, fill your name, contact number, uh, and then someone from our club will reach out to you. Uh, as, as mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, we train three times a week. So in Singapore, we train Tuesday, Thursdays, and Sundays. Uh, so Tuesday, Thursdays at night for two hours. Um, Tuesdays at uh, 8 p.m. Tomorrow, it's at 7 p.m. So if you're dropping by during this time, please hit us up. <laughs> And you do not need to bring anything because, uh, I mean, other than yourself and your swimwear and your trunks, uh, because the, the gear will be provided. But what you actually need, if you can, uh, basically the gears, you will need a snorkel, uh, your mask, uh, polo caps, and also your fins. Um, so not to worry because our we do have spare equipment. Uh, we want the the intro to the spot to be as easy as possible. So really, we, you don't need to bring the fins. Uh, we always have gears to borrow. Uh, and what to expect, right? So uh, at the start, we will do a brief introduction about the sport and then do a safety briefing, ensure that the participants know what they've signed up for. And then they actually have to sign an indemnity form, uh, you know, if you're not feeling well and all that. Uh, <laughs> and then after that, uh, they will go through an uh, uh, introductory session. Uh, basically, we'll do some um, snorkeling techniques, uh, you know, how to breathe through your snorkel. Uh, and then after that, uh, put on your fins. Uh, we assess, you know, how, how they're able to swim Yes or no? And then are they able to equalize? I think that's the most important because after all, it's still three meters uh, minimum. Uh, and then we will assess that there will be designated trainers. Uh, two is to uh, uh, two is to five. Uh, that's our number so far. Uh, and once uh, we do some diving and swimming and some ball passing, uh, we will actually you know ask if you want to join the game straight away. <laughs> And during one session, you will be able to experience everything. Uh, and that's the whole kick, right? Uh, you get them interested. And then the next thing, they're like, when can I sign up for the next? Uh, and yeah, I, I think, Nick, you'll love it. And I, I hope uh, to be able to uh, introduce uh, the spot to you by myself. <laughs> yeah. Come with an open mind. Yes, come with an open mind. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't need to know how to, uh, to play the sport. Yeah, you just don't need to learn how to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> I am very much looking forward to it. 
Well, good. Well, I uh, this has been great, Nick, and um, and Ming, Jen, Key. Uh, thank you all three of you for coming on, and and to the rest of the the first Asian team underwater uh, rugby Singapore listening to this. Um, shout out to you and and all the the work and dedication you've put in to uh, to the sport. It sounds amazing. So, um, any parting thoughts, Jen, Key, Ming, uh, before we close this one up? Mm, parting thoughts. Uh, I think it's great uh, that, that we actually have this platform and I think it's very unique. Good job to you, uh, Dive Table. Uh, so to all listening, I, I think this is so cool. Like if I'm overseas, I'll just tune in to your, to your podcast and uh, listen to all your stories. Uh, and thank you for having us, uh, First Asian team, and helping us put us on the map. Yeah, so thank you so much. Uh, that's for me. Uh, next. I'll let Ming go <laughs> Okay, sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, it's a dive podcast, so we always want to encourage people to come. And I think I, I don't actually dive so much. I actually don't have a license. I'm getting it next year, though, but I haven't had one. Uh, but I would say, you know, if you're diving and you encounter trouble, say a shark comes to attack you, you're never going to be able to practice that. So the next best thing is to join underwater rugby. And if you tackle, you immediately go, oh, I know what to do in this situation. Punch the shark in the nose, right? That's what I put online. I think Ming just called himself a shark. I think, I, I think that's a. But you see Ming come and punch him in the nose. That's what that's what he's telling you. Yeah. Um, no punching, guys. <laughs> Send yeah. in two minutes for Jay. Well, for me, for me, I I really want to thank uh, Nick, Jay, Dan for the opportunity to be on Dive Table to speak of, on behalf of the sport, on behalf of the underwater rugby community. I want to give a shout out to all the players who know us, who have played with us, you know, who have interacted with us and come to Singapore before. Um, we really appreciate all the all the support that we have been given, the love that we have been that we've been given from all the the different corners of the world. Um, and it was it's, it's been really encouraging. I know the last few years uh, because of COVID or you know uh, we haven't been traveling so much to, to see the rest of you. But uh, trust uh, trust us, we are going to make amends. We are going to come and find you guys very very soon, and you will see a lot of us until that you are really really bored of us. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, we love you guys. You know, like uh, we'll continue to play underwater rugby as long as we can. Um, and yeah, I hope to see new players. Uh, old players, existing players, divers, and divers <laughs> anybody who loves the water, who who maybe don't even love the water, who wants to come and try something different. Uh, we welcome you with an open heart. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll always be here for you. Yeah, Amazing. Well, uh, we really appreciate you guys coming on the show. If you want to learn more about underwater rugby, uh, certainly, as we mentioned, www.fatuwr.com. Um, or you can find them on Instagram. Help me out there. What's the handle? Yeah, it's uh, fat.uwr. Okay, fat.uwr on Instagram, and you can reach out that way. So, yep, I will. You will see your po- uh, photos there later tonight. <laughs> yes, perfect. Yes, good. Awesome. Looking good in my six a.m. skin here. Um, yeah. So the uh, the please if you're if you're interested, um, and even if you don't live in Singapore or in the. Um, you know, greater Southeast Asia area, and you want to learn about maybe bringing an underwater rugby 
group to your city. Uh, maybe you live in, I don't know, Michigan or somewhere like that and you want to figure it out. Man, I, I think Ming and Jen and Key would be uh, so up to have a conversation. I'm just – I'm reading the, the nods and the yeses. So, yes, reach <laughs> out. Um, Nick and I are not your, not your guys, so we'll pass you on to, to Jen and Key and Ming because we have no idea how to start this up. But but certainly we want to le- learn to play. So it sounds like a lot of fun. So thank you all for being um, here on the show. Nick, any, any parting thoughts before we wrap this one up? Uh, yeah, no, just the same. Really appreciate y'all coming on. I can't wait to head down to Singapore and actually meet and get some get some food, drink a couple beers, and uh, and you know hear the hear the good times. And uh, definitely can't wait to get in the water with y'all. It's going to be a really good time. So I will uh, hit you up on on Instagram or email or whatnot when I'm heading out there because I know it's very close. It's a super close trip, so I'll definitely be seeing you guys soon. Peace, peace, come. <laughs> All right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, make sure that you subscribe to future episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. uh, So that way you get notified when new episodes drop. And we'll continue to bring interesting stories, not just uh, Nick and I's adventures in diving, but uh, but things all around it, like like this amazing episode. So um, you can reach out to us at www.thedivetable.com, where you can leave us a message, shoot us an email, uh, I think you can leave a review. There's all kinds of things. And, um, and producer Daniel's been on me about reminding everybody about our exclusive, all-inclusive dive clubs. So um, if, you're, if you want an you know, amazing present for your loved ones, uh, you know, let them join a dive club. Be a part of this growing community. So uh, you can find those on our website. Um, and, and who knows? You might just end up playing underwater rugby with us. Uh, who knows? So thank you for listening. And we hope to have you back on the next episode of The Dive Table. The Dive Table is a production of Fish Dive Surf Incorporated and a member of the Fish Dive Surf Podcast Network. You can find out more at www.fishdivesurf.com.